The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, today we recommence our Exodus series. We're back into it, and we've got some catch-up work to do. So this morning, we're going to be covering six chapters of Exodus. We're going to be starting in verse 5. And in not too long, we're going to be in uh, chapter 11. So we're going to cover six chapters of Exodus this morning. So to do this, we're going to have to use really broad brushstrokes. We're not going to have the time to get into the plagues in the detail that we might like. But I would encourage you during the week, why not in your connect groups, And why not, as a family group, get out your Bibles and look through these plagues. I would suggest dividing them into three groups of three. The first three plagues, the second three plagues, the third three plagues. And just look at what you notice. What phrases are repeated in what what plagues? Is, Is Moses told to go to Pharaoh or does something just happen? Allow your eyes to see and notice these things. And why not spend time together looking at them in more detail? For those of you who are good at maths and know Exodus well, you'll notice three groups of three equals nine plagues, where there's actually ten. Well, the tenth plague, the plague of the firstborn and the Passover, we are leaving to Friday, Good Friday, and we will cover that there. So to help us get our bearings as to where we are since we last looked at Exodus, let me read from Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then I'll read from Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through to 8. So if you've got your Bibles there, please find them, or it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. Why don't you follow with me, Exodus chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Chapter 6, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment." I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How well do you know the people you share a house with? As prob- probably in a few months' time, you'll give a different answer to what you give right now. Maybe in a few months' time, you'll know them far too well. You'll want to escape. My kids have shown how well they know their parents and how they have divided up the different responsibilities that their teachers would normally undertake for them at school. And they've divided these up between my wife and I. Can I say, they seem keen to maintain a really high level of education. That's just going off how they've divided them up. Tell me if you agree. Here's how they've divvied up the responsibilities between my wife and I by each subject. Mathematics, mum. English, mum. ICT and computers, mum. Home economics, mum. PE, dad. First aid, mum. And this allocation of responsibilities shows me at least two things about my children. Number one, they want a creative learning experience and they want a high level of education. And number two, they they know their parents well enough to know that if you put dad in charge of PE, you better put mum in charge of first aid. Now, I don't know what they're expecting from PE lessons. We haven't got javelins or archery or anything like that. But anyway, they're smart kids. Generally, how we know someone will govern what we expect from them. And today we're going to look through the the plagues with broad brushstrokes, as I said, and we're going to follow just two themes. We're going to look at the, the purpose theme of the plagues. That is that the Lord is making himself known. We're also going to follow the theme of Pharaoh's heart, and we'll see how these join together. Both of these themes will end up, they will will find their conclusion in the statement of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 10, verse 17, remove this death from me. No doubt this is a plea that we all find ourselves pleading to God today. And our expectations on God's response to this plea will depend on how we know him, whether we know him as simply a powerful God or whether we know him as a powerful and personal God. So let's have a brief look at what the plagues are. I wonder if you can name the nine, first nine plagues without looking at your child's colouring sheet. Well, let me, let me run through it anyway. The first plague, we've got the, the water of the Nile turning to blood. That is followed by the plague of frogs and then a plague of gnats. In fourth place, we have the plague of flies, the plague where the Egyptian livestock die in, in place number six, five. Sixth plague is the plague of boils, then a plague of hail, a plague of locusts, a plague of darkness. Things that we notice about these plagues is they are supernatural events. And they are supernatural events that are under God's control. He controls what the plague is. He controls when it starts and he controls when it finishes. 
They were also acts of God's judgment upon Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. They are acts of judgment upon the deities that the Egyptians worshipped. The plagues tell us that God is present in the midst with his people in Egypt. And along with the sign before the plagues of Aaron's staff that becomes a snake and consumes the, the snakes that the other magicians produce, the Egyptian magicians, the plagues show us that they, these are displays of God's mighty power. Now you also show us that there is nothing humans can muster to resist that power. Most importantly, God uses these plagues to make himself known. And he does that to the Egyptians, to the Israelites, and to the world. Listen to what God wants to make himself known as as we go through some of the plagues, here are some of the statements God says. He says, by this you shall know that I am the Lord, so that you may know that there is none like the Lord, our God. That you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth, so that my name might be proclaimed or made known in all the earth so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's, that you may know that I am the Lord. By the time these plagues are finished, everyone will know that the Lord is God. The Israelites will know the Lord as their redeemer, as the covenant-keeping God. They'll know that they are his special people. The Egyptians will know the Lord as their adversary and their judge. And all will know that the Lord has the power to bring life and death. And because Pharaoh knows that, that God has the power to bring life and death, when the plague of locusts is upon him, he makes this desperate plea to Moses. Let me read Exodus chapter 10 from verse 13. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts has had never been before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land, so that the land was darkened. And they ate all the plants in the land, and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field, through all the land of Egypt." Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. This plea, Lord, remove this death from me, is the cry of our heart today. 
In fact, it's the plea people have been making of God right throughout history. In the face of sickness, war, natural disaster, and at times a pending university deadline. At some stage right throughout history, everyone has cried out to God, remove this death from me. God's response to Pharaoh's plea is nothing short of astounding. In verses 18 and 19, we read this. So he, who is Moses, went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. Is that not astounding? Pharaoh is the disobedient ruler of Egypt. He is the one in opposition to God. Yet even this sinful person can receive the mercy from God. As I was thinking about this, I was drawn to the the story of the 10 lepers who come to Jesus in Luke chapter 17. We notice there that they too lift their voices and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus has mercy on all 10 lepers. One leper returns though. He is different from the others. Nine lepers go away knowing that Jesus is powerful. But one leper knows that not only is Jesus powerful, but he is personal too. This is a chance for us to reflect on our own lives. Do we know God is powerful? Or do we know through Jesus that he is personal too? We learn from the leper that the one who comes and knows Jesus as personal has a soft heart towards God. Is that the case for us? This theme of Pharaoh's heart travels again right the way through the plagues. In every plague, we are note, it is noted the condition of Pharaoh's heart, and it's given in either of three ways. Either Pharaoh hardens his heart, or a statement is made that the heart of Pharaoh is hard, or the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Which begs the question, what can we learn from the condition of Pharaoh's hearts that can help us? Again, I think there are two things. Number one, we learn that Pharaoh is answerable or liable for the condition of his heart towards God. And number two, we learn that there will come a point a point of no return when God himself will seal the condition of our heart and only God determines when that time is. So let's start with number one. Pharaoh is answerable or liable for the condition of his heart towards God. And this has its its beginnings back in chapter five, verse two, where Moses and Aaron make their first approach to Pharaoh. Here, not only do we see that Pharaoh declares that he doesn't know God, 
but we also get a glimpse into his heart condition towards God. Let me read verse 2 for us again. Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. In chapter 7, verse 13, we notice that we are pointed back to that verse again. It says, Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Time and time again, God has mercy on Egypt. He has mercy on Pharaoh, only for Pharaoh to harden his heart in opposition to God. But the point comes when God says, no more. The point comes of no return when the condition of Pharaoh's heart is is hardened, it is sealed, and that is determined by God. His eternal fate is is determined by the Lord. And the same is true for the rest of us, friends. A time will come for everyone when God will say, no more. And that is a point of no return. A point when our eternal fate is sealed and determined. And here is where the two themes converge for us. At that time, people will plead with God, remove this death from me. God's answer to those of us who have soft hearts towards him will be, I already have. See, Jesus is the ultimate answer for our plea for God to remove this death from us. And Jesus removes the death from us by taking it upon himself. Romans chapter 5 tells us, Paul says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In answer to our pleas for mercy, Jesus enters into our mess and shows that he is not only powerful, but that he is personal too. Those who accept Jesus, whose hearts are soft towards him, will have their death removed. So what is the extent of our pleas for God to remove death from us. Do you know him as just a powerful God? And if so, with every new sickness or new challenge that comes your way, no doubt you will cry out to God once more, remove this death from me. And in his astonishing mercy and grace, that may be done. And praise God when that does happen. But friends, I plead with you this morning, don't settle for a reprieve. Don't settle for a reprieve from a death sentence. Have it removed completely. A reprieve will not satisfy. 
Look deeper than a healthy body and mind here and now. Plead with God for what's better than an extended or a comfortable life here and now. God offers you something greater than that. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God offers not only to, re- to reprieve death. God offers to remove the eternal death from you. He offers to give you life. He offers true life forever, forever with him. Have you accepted that this morning? Have you accepted his offer of life? Have you allowed Jesus to take your death upon him and received his life for yourself? Friends, if that is not your plea today, it should be. God is not only powerful, he is personal. And Jesus has not only come to give you a a reprieve from death, he has come to remove it from you that we might have his life. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your mercy that we see in this account. Loving Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would enter into our mess and deal with the death that we cannot deal with. That you would come and eternally remove death from us so that we might have life with you. Father, I pray that all of us will have heard your offer this morning. And I pray that all of us may have responded to you in a personal way. That we might know you as a personal God and that we would give you our death and take for us your life. Father, I pray that your spirit will be teaching us not only this morning of this reality, but right throughout our lives, day by day. Teach us and encourage us anew with the truth that Jesus has removed our death from us. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.